What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by Hy-Vee and Toyson Ford. Dan Casper here, even though it sounds a little different, losing my voice. Back from Lambeau Field. It's a long night, not a lot of sleep. Also dealing with a little bit of a cold, so bear with me here with a change in voice for, for at least this episode of the podcast where we're talking Packers. Packers clinching a playoff spot with the win over the Chicago Bears, 17-9. to Packers finishing 9-8 and on the season, and now we'll face the Dallas Cowboys as the seventh seed. Packers the seventh seed, Cowboys the two seed. Obviously, a lot of the talk is Mike McCarthy going up against his former team and another matchup between the Packers and the Cowboys in the postseason. But if you're a Packers fan, how could you not be excited? How could you not be pumped about this team? You know, maybe not necessarily for the playoffs, and maybe you think they're going to lose right away, but the outlook, the future of this team. So let's talk about this game. Let's let's talk about this game. Uh, Jordan Love again, 27 of 32, 316 yards, couple of touchdowns. Uh, Aaron Jones against the number one run, number one ranked rushing defense. Well, he ran the ball for over 100 yards. 22 carries, 111 yards. Had to be that bell cow because no A.J. Dillon in the lineup. So it was all Aaron Jones there with his 22 carries and 111 yards. Jaden Reed seemed like he was a little bit on the snap count there, but uh, nonetheless, he was pretty darn effective when he was out there. Four catches, 112 yards. Bo Mountain, again, Five catches, 62 yards. Dontavian Wicks, six catches, 61 yards. And a couple of touchdown catches as well. Uh, Packers finished with five total sacks. Kenny Clark, uh, Devontae Wyatt, Lucas Van Ness, Carl Brooks, Quay Walker getting sacks. Saw this from, from Ryan Wood. Uh, yesterday after the game, talking about Lucas Van Ness and kind of comparing him to what, what Rashawn Gary did in his first year. Lucas Van Ness's rookie season finishes with four sacks, ten quarterback hits. Rashawn Gary's rookie season, two sacks, three quarterback hits. Again, does it mean he's going to be the next Rashawn Gary? No, but... I think it might surprise some people, you know, because Lucas Van Ness, first, right, first first round pick. You expect immediate success a lot of these times, and we've been talking about this this rookie class with with the receivers and, and, and the tight ends and such. I thought Lucas Van Ness had a solid season. I thought he had a solid season. And then you got Carl Brooks on there, too, another rookie defensive lineman. He finishes the season with four sacks on that defensive front, so... You look at this rookie class, and I don't know how their futures are going to play out, but when you look at this Packers rookie class, man, it's hard not to argue, at least at this point in time, that Goody hit on a lot of picks. It's it's hard not it's hard to argue against that. Now again. Don't know how their seasons, how their careers are going to finish up. But you got Lucas Van Ness, four sacks, 10 QB hits. Luke Musgrave, I think we're all excited about him. Jane Reed, we're all excited about him. Same with Tucker Craft. Colby Wooden, I thought was solid. 
as a rotational defensive lineman. Sean Clifford, the backup. A lot of people wanted Sean Clifford as as a starter just not that long ago, a couple months ago. Dontavian Wicks, dude's one of the leading receivers on this team. Carl Brooks, we just mentioned him, four sacks. Carrington Valentine's probably starter. I mean, he's a starter now, but future starter, immediate future starting corner opposite of Jair. Anthony Johnson Jr. is getting playing time this year. The only ones we really have, and then you got Anders Carlson, who, I'll be honest, when he missed that field goal yesterday, I'm like, oh boy. Kind of sucked a little bit of the energy out, but luckily it didn't come back to bite them. But, you know, you got Grant DuBose and Lou Nichols. Lou Nichols was actually released, and then Grant was activated or promote uh, practice squad elevation for, for the game yesterday. But this class, these guys have logged a ton of playing time this year, a ton of experience, and these guys are going to get a taste of the postseason coming up now too. That's why when I threw out the question about long-term, immediate future, however you want to look at this, I'm pumped about this team, man. I'm pumped. I, man, especially on the offensive side of things, seeing these guys kind of grow and mature together and play incredibly well, I'm excited. And I think the arrow is trending upward. I would think if you are a Bears, a Vikings, or a Lions fans, you got to be thinking, really, again? Can they have more than just maybe a down year, down couple years? Because it sure looks like Green Bay's ready to, to, you know, not to get into next year already or anything like that, but you make a postseason appearance this year with that youngest team. Youngest team, by the way, since 1977. To make the postseason. Think about it. Since 1977. Let me see if I can bring up that nugget. I think I saved it on Twitter on the drive home yesterday. So scrolling through it. You know, kind of following along. Seeing some of the uh, the pressers and, and, and all that fun jazz and such. But yeah, I saw that nugget out there too. I was like, dang. That's a, that one kind of took me by surprise too. So. But to gain that experience... How do you how do you not be excited about the future? But we got plenty of time to talk about the future, right? We got plenty of time to talk about this, the future of this team. And I think it's going to be a bright one. I think it's going to be a, an incredibly bright future over there. I know at at the beginning of the year when we did our pre or our, our regular season predictions at the beginning of everything. I did have Green Bay in as a seventh seed. But I'll be honest with you. At that time, I think a lot of it was because I looked at it and I think a little bit of the homerism seeped through in my pick. I'll be honest. I'll admit it. I think the homerism got me. And then once we got into October, it seemed that stretch of like, oh yeah, no way. No way. Not happening. They ain't going. We had the discussions about, okay, what what should we be watching for for this year, right? A lot of you were kind of wondering what to do. Do we do we actually cheer for losses to get a better draft pick? Do we just watch and hope for growth? 
it was kind of my thing. It's like, you know what? Whatever happens, happens in the in the in the winner winner loss column. I just want to see growth. I want to see something that gets us excited. I want to see guys continue to get better, more consistent, coaching wise too. I think they hit those marks. I think they they hit those marks, and a playoff appearance is just kind of a a cherry on the top of it all. Because these this these this ball club, and I know there's guys on this team that already have playoff experience and such, but for a guy like Jordan Love to go into an environment like Dallas to gain that experience, for guys like these receivers to go in there. Some of the other guys, I think, is going to pay huge dividends in the future. And I think this team kind of frustrates other teams or maybe other fan bases. Because you look at them, and again, like I was sitting in the, in the car ride home yesterday, last night, and I'm like, just going through the receivers in my mind, and I'm like, they, they're they doing this with these guys. And I'm not trying to knock these guys by any means. I'm not trying to do that. But I'm like, they're, I mean, that game you had, Bo Melton. Bo Melton. Dontavian Wicks as your one and two wide receivers. And, and they were moving the ball. I mean, the offense probably should have put up more points in the game yesterday. But you were just like, they, they were methodically moving the ball down the field. And they were doing it with these guys that's like, who? And I don't know if anybody caught this after the game. But uh, Chicago Bears safety Jaquan Brisker apparently said, I felt like, quote, I felt like we could have tightened up on the receivers a bit more than we did today. We gave them too much room, and I really have no respect for them at all, just to be honest. When asked why, he said, no one's over there, no respect. They have no stars. No stars over there. They are trying to play a little fake tough. When asked what's fake tough, just doing extra stuff after the play, grabbing people's face masks after the play and things like that. Just doing a lot of the dirty stuff to get us flagged and stuff like that. I loved Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones saw this and retweeted it and said, Isn't it your job to have to cover them? Should have been an easy day at work, right? If we got no one over there, that is. Rent was due today. And I think that's why I believe this team is frustrating for maybe opposing teams or opposing fan bases because you you look at that roster, you look at those receivers, and you're like, who? Who are these guys? They're not supposed to do this. They're not supposed to be good players. They're rookies. They're second-year guys. They're guys that can't stay healthy. They're not flashy players. They're not Pro Bowl players. you got a playoff team now that's got no Pro Bowlers, if we still use Pro Bowl as a as a gauge for, for this whole thing. But you look at this and I think even for a lot of like that that was kind of going through my head last night of like 
They were doing it with these guys. Not just leading the charge. Not one guy was leading the charge. It was a, <clears throat> excuse me, complete and total team effort offensively. This stretch of awesome offensive performances. Jordan Love was probably the, I mean, if you had to pick one guy to lead a charge, it probably starts with the quarterback and Jordan Love. And the guy put up some very great, good numbers this year. But then you look at how he spread the ball around to these players, and it's like, and that's where I think a lot of players, other players, and fans of other fan of other teams are probably frustrated because, like, how? What are they doing? How are they getting away with this? You know, for so long in Green Bay, we've we've been accustomed to one goat wide receiver, like one alpha dog. At, at the receiver spot, whether it was Devontae or, or, or Jordy. You know, Greg Jennings was kind of that guy for, for a hot minute. It was always like one, and then you're waiting for that next guy, next man up. And once in a while, you'd have like Jordy paired with Randall Cobb and et cetera, et cetera. But you kind of knew who the number one guy was. I honestly feel like this team doesn't have one, and I don't think they really care. Now, maybe eventually in the next year or two, somebody will kind of start to lead the pack, if you will. This is what this is the offense that we, I think a lot of us wanted to see when Matt LaFleur first came in. It's like, all right, Shanahan style, McVay style, coming from that tree. Spread the ball around, scheming to get guys open. I don't think there's any better proof than what we've been seeing with this offensive growth in the last month or so. When it just seems like they can plug in a different receiver, different pass catcher over there, and they're still making plays, and they're still moving the football. You know, a couple plays from Jordan Lovin. I thought there was some throws from Jordan Lovin. I mean, he was really good last night. But there were some throws I would have liked to have seen him get a little bit more zip on there. Thought there was a little little air. There was the one touchdown pass to Dontavian Wicks. When we were watching it in person live, it's like, oh boy, that one would have liked to have seen got there a little bit more. And then I know there was another one where Jordan threw off his back foot and maybe got a little lucky there too, but still, there were some impressive throws that that man made. And then that final drive, dancing around in the pocket, avoiding the rush, sidestepping, and then Hitting Tucker Craft for the dagger. Huge play. Play like that. Ball in his hands. The offense. Ball in her hands. With a chance to wind down the clock and clinch it. They did it. Because I thought at one point in the fourth quarter, I'd be like, okay, it's a tight game. A lot is on the line here. Playoff spot. You got a Bears team that they, they got nothing to play for. Other than they want to knock the teeth out of this team and don't they don't want them to go to the postseason. And you got a very young Packers team, inexperienced Packers team, where, you know, that fourth quarter kicks on. You start to feel those nerves, you start to feel those butterflies a little bit. Like, oh, we're we're fifteen minutes away from, from going to the postseason. Do you start to maybe overthink it, get a little bit in your head, make a mistake, then you let it fester? That team didn't do that last night. They didn't do that. 
You know, Jordan Love made a mistake with the fumble. They bounced back. Because that was one thing I was really curious to see how this team was going to react in the fourth quarter. With all the chips on the table. Holding on to a slim lead. With that inexperience, with that with that young team, with that kind of creep up and catch up to them in a, in a big time pressure moment. And it didn't. That was impressive. And I thought it was really cool after the game. Now I didn't see the telecast. But seeing Matt LaFleur sprint onto the uh, onto the field right away and the first thing he did was give Jordan Love a big old hug over there. I mean, that, that kind of encompasses everything, right? Matt LaFleur is tied to the hip of, of Jordan Love. Matt LaFleur's job, one, a big part of his job was to develop Jordan Love into being a future franchise quarterback, the long-term starting quarterback. It's a big reason why LaFleur was brought in here. And right now it kind of looks like he's done that. But how do you, how do you not feel pumped up about the future, about the the state of the union, if you, if you will, about this team. There's a lot to like here. It's a lot. Now, in terms of can they go into Dallas and pick up a win? It's going to be tough. We know Dallas is all about you know they've got uh, championship aspirations. Two seed, they're dominant at home. They're, Dallas is really good at home. Really good at home this year. They've got some weapons on the outside. You know, is Jair, how often is he going to be matched up with with like CeeDee Lamb and that? I mean, it's going to test the corners. It's going to be a big test for that for that secondary for, for Green Bay. And then can the Packers offense move the ball against Dan Quinn? Dan Quinn, Matt LaFleur know each other, right? Matt LaFleur was on Dan Quinn's staff when they went to the Super Bowl. If you're asking me now, I'm probably picking Dallas to, to to win this game. But I almost feel, I don't want to say this, but I don't know if I want to say this, but I almost feel like Packers fans will be okay if, as long as it's not a blowout. Like if it's a competitive game. Because when you look at it, Dallas, top five offense, fifth in yards, most yards per game, 371.6. Third in terms of passing offense. Defensive leaders, Dallas fifth in terms of uh, yards given up. Now the one weakness potentially on this on this Bears or excuse me on this Dallas defense that that maybe maybe Green Bay can exploit a little bit is the rushing defense. They're about middle of the pack, okay? Dallas is. Not to, to get into a whole breakdown of Dallas, but they're at about 112 yards they've given up on the ground. You just had Air Jones, who ran for 111 against the league's number one rushing defense. So maybe, just maybe, they could control the clock a little bit, not come away with a bunch of empty possessions. Maybe they could go into Dallas and have a little bit of a success. You know, Green Bay's, I don't think, you know, that's that's the other part of this team. I don't think they're going to go in there intimidated, and that's a mixture of 
this youth on here that just doesn't know any better? Like they're they're so young that like ah maybe they don't understand the moment or something like that. But we've all been there when we're younger. Like ah please, what am I going to be intimidated about? You know what I mean? And then you got some of the veterans who've been there before and done that before. Aaron Jones loves playing in his home state of Texas. Always seems to have a great game in in Dallas. Other guys have been there. It's a good mixture, I think. But right now, how can you not be pumped about this team? A lot, a lot to be excited about. So we've been talking a lot. Obviously about uh, Green Bay, the future, the youngsters, and all that all that jazz. I'll tell you what. One veteran who, I mean, I've always, always wanted him to to stay. He's easily one of my favorite players, probably even of all time. But when you looked at his contract and at the beginning of the year, I, like a lot of people out there, thought, could he be a salary cap casualty for for next year. But I don't know how you can move on from this man right now. And I'm talking about Aaron Jones. Now, Aaron Jones, I I think if he were to remain on the team for for next year, he's probably going to have to do another restructure because next year he has a cap hit of 17 point seven million dollars all right 17.7 million dollar cap hit to put that in comparison of the high cap hits for this year that if, if that was his cap hit for this year he'd be the highest okay that'd be the highest in the league right now this year 2023 was Derek Henry at 16 about 16.4 there was Nick Chubb 14.8 Josh Jacobs and that sort of thing so I would have to imagine they would have to adjust that a little bit. Although Green Bay is going to have more cap space available this this off season, and one way by doing that is David Bakhtiari moving on from him, and then we know that the salary cap is going to be a little bit higher, anyways. But it, I mean, it was it was thought that would Green Bay move on from from Aaron Jones after this season. Because of that cap hit of 17.7. Now they would incur a $12.4 million dead cap, but math, 17.7, 12.4, subtract that, you're saving about $5 million in cap space. And then you've got the, you've got the other um, voided years on this thing that we don't need to get into right now at this point in time. But you look at Aaron Jones, and especially, you know, the last three games, this is what's kind of been a downer for, for Jones is that he's been hurt this year, right? In and out of the lineup. Guy's been banged up. But from the last three games, well, what we have seen from him, I know he's 29. He's going to be 30 next year. At that running back position, you start to get a little nervous. But I want this man back for next year. I want this man back for next year. I think they still got to prioritize getting a young running back in through the draft. Bring him on in. But Aaron Jones, to me, hasn't hasn't proved or showed me that he 
they, they should move on from him. Maybe I'm being a little bit of a homerism on that because I love that guy. As I said, he's one of my favorite players, but this offense is so much better. So much better with a guy like him in play. And maybe maybe Green Bay still looks at it like, okay, we'll just go to the draft and get somebody younger who's a lot like Aaron Jones and then still move. I hope Aaron Jones is such a, a valuable leader, I think, in that locker room on this team too that, man, I would love, love to see Aaron Jones back for another year. I think you saw what he could still provide in these last you know, we, we've seen it in these last three weeks here. I want to see Showy Time back. That guy is so cool. But I just wanted to give a little bit of a shout-out to, to, to Jonesy there because of what he has done in these last three weeks. Three straight games, 100 yards rushing. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. Uh, a nugget that surprised, surprised me. This was from Packers.com. That Aaron Jones is the first Packers player since Amon Green in 2006 to have three straight games of 100 yards rushing. You had to go back to 2006 to find the last time a Packers player, a Packers running back, ran the ball for over 100 yards three straight games. That kind of blew my mind that it's been that long. Aaron Jones is now the sixth Packers player to have more than 8,000 career total yards. He just keeps moving up in the rankings of, of Packers history. And the fact that he still went out there and rushed for 111 yards on the NFL's number one ranked defense yesterday. Number one ranked defense. And he goes out there and averages five yards a carry. Puts up over 100 yards. I mean, I I think all of us probably thought it was going to be very hard to run. I know we talked about it on Friday saying, okay, you got to come up with some creative ways to maybe use, utilize a lot of motion, misdirection to maybe free up some of that running game. We talked about sticking with the running game, but making it effective, having an effective running game. Not necessarily just turning around and handing it off and always having like one yard or no gain and just, well, we're going to stick with it. You had to have, you had to be successful in running the football. Packers were able to do that against the best yesterday. And he's still, even for 29, those cuts that he makes, guy still looks like he has it. Still looks good. Now, I would love if like Green Bay next year, whether it was like through the draft or something like that. They got some really like speedster. Like if you're watching the Dolphins last night or or maybe even Kansas City with Isaiah, like a speedster guy, like a four three guy that just like whoop, he's he's go. That'd be kind of cool to pair up with that. But that that's for the draft. That's that's for next year here. And who knows, Aaron Jones might have himself a game. He he likes playing in his home state of Texas. He likes playing in Cowboys Stadium. He's got another 100 game up his sleeve. I think he's going to be a big key if, if the Packers want to roll into 
Dallas and and upset the Cowboys. It upset their friend Mike McCarthy. And pick up a W. I think a big key in that's going to have to be Aaron Jones. Having success running the football. Controlling the clock. Keeping Dallas's offense on the sidelines. Six, seven, eight minute drives, but coming away with touchdowns instead of field goals. The Packers want to pull off that upset. I think Aaron Jones is going to have to be a big key in this in this game. Surveyor Sam. What a game. What a game. Whole team played amazing, especially Jay Love. If you're not on the love train by now, you're never going to be a fan of him. And how about that Joe Barry defense? Five sacks, nine points allowed. Better come with those helmets strapped tight, Dallas, because the youngest team in the history of the NFL is coming. See, Bob, all right, you did hear the bowling stuff. Spot on, keep him. They have the cap room. 33 is the straw that stirs the drink. The offense is entirely different with him in the game. I think there's those other factors that you have to that you have to involve in there too. Just with this youth, with this inexperience, to have that that veteran type of leadership, and the guy has been nothing but like he leads by example. I remember was it last year? Yeah, I think it was last year. The guy shows up for every mini camp practice. He says he leads by example, and there's no better. Example of that when veterans get excused at practice and Aaron Jones still shows up to practice. I mean, that's who I want my rookies, my young players, to be looking at, to be emulating that work ethic, like Aaron Jones. I mean, that guy, I don't know, sometimes with some of the hits that he takes, I don't know how he gets back up. He's only like 5'9", and he has taken some major hits. I don't know how that guy gets back up sometimes. But he's been able to do it for for a while now. So I would love, love, I got to get myself an Aaron Jones jersey. I know I might be maybe jinxing in and maybe he won't be back next year, but Jones is definitely one of my favorite players of all time. I think I'm just going to have to, we have to bite the bullet and try to find an Aaron Jones jersey and add it to, to the collection over there too so but man just kind of flying under the radar I think from maybe not necessarily from from Packers fans but like just from a national perspective of how well he has played in these last last few games and I think it's going to be a very critical player coming up here for for this Dallas game too all right so do you feel like we're playing with house money? A couple of you have already mentioned that on, on the texting line. It's not negative. It's positive in some ways, too. A lot. Of, a couple of you said, really having fun this season. Feel like we're playing with house money. I'm paraphrasing, kind of combining a lot. A couple of your texts. Playing with house money right now. Postseason's bonus. Probably going to lose. That's that's from, from a couple of you out there again. Feel like you play with house money? I just... I keep shaking my head thinking about this. I, I just it's, it's an offense I'm not used to, I think, over the years for watching Green Bay. I just I keep shaking my head thinking Bo Melton, Dontavian Wicks, Jane Reed. Like, who the heck are these guys? Well, they're rookies or they're practice squad guys, and they're 
lead the team in receiving. Get it done. Their offense is moving the ball with these guys. How do you not join this? How do you not have fun? This is something a little bit different than what we've been accustomed to for a long time in Green Bay. I'm having fun with this, man. And I just like the energy of this team. I like the I like the makeup of this team. Anybody who thought LaFleur lost the locker room or the coaching staff lost the locker room or they don't believe in LaFleur, one, you're probably not in it. Chances are you're, you're probably not in it. You're basing it off of something you see on TV or social media. But if this... If Lafleur lost the locker room, they're not—they're not in the postseason. They're not playing incredibly well on on offense. I mean, this was an offense that felt like they were just dominating the game, the entire game yesterday, and felt like they should be putting up more points. But anybody who believes that Lafleur's lost this locker, room, or I should say, still believes that Lafleur lost this locker room, stop. Got it. It's just not. LaFleur deserves a lot of credit this year. And I know he was on the hot seat for a lot of fans. He was on the hot seat for a lot of fans. And he deserves criticism for the Joe Barry thing. But he also deserves credit for what he has been doing with this offense, for how he has molded Jordan Love. You know, there was a great article uh, yesterday with Scott's State Journal. I believe it was Jason Wildey that wrote it. And talked about, you know, at that certain point in this season where, you know, LaFleur just kind of said, all right, let's just rip it. Let's let it rip. Let's let Jordan Love, let's let it rip. We're going to change it up. We're going to do that. And ever since then, this is when that offense has kind of taken off. You know, LaFleur's not going to win Coach of the Year. I know there's there were some Packers fans like, hey, should he get consideration? Maybe he'll get a vote, like a fifth-place vote, fourth-place vote, however that thing goes. He won't get that, but you still have to tip your cap to a lot of the positive stuff that he has done this year. A coach that has undergone a lot of scrutiny for various reasons from some Packers fans out there. But the job that he has done with this offense, and for the most part, too, kind of keeping the locker room together. I mean, you know, you trade Rasul Douglas. Then you had the Jair thing going on. You watch some of that those those locker room stuff. That's not a man who has lost that locker room. That is not a guy who has lost that locker room. So let's tip the cap a little bit. Give a little shout out to to Lafleur. Does he deserve again some some knock on on the Joe Barry thing? Yeah, I, I'd I'd go with that. I'd agree with you. I've been on record saying that. But overall, I'm good with him as our head coach right now. I'm good with him. I love the energy he brings on the sidelines. I love the energy. And enthusiasm he brings to the game. And I think he has grown himself as a play caller this year. I really believe he has grown a lot. You know, you could say, had Aaron Rodgers the first couple years, Devontae, you know, maybe 
some of the credit gets taken away from him because of the offensive weapons he's had. But this year, this year what he has done with this group, I think he has really, really grown into a play caller, but as a head coach overall too. And I think he's only going to get better. That's my opinion, but I think that he's only going to get better now. We'll have more Packers and Cowboys and playoff talk throughout the week here, but that's going to wrap up this episode of the Man Cave Podcast brought to you by Hy-Vee and Toyson Ford. Thanks for hanging out with me as I'm losing my voice here for, for the podcast, but uh, it'll get better this week, right? We're gamers. We're winners. We, we get through this thing. So uh, big thanks again for tuning in. If you are not following or subscribing to the Man Cave Podcast, Please do so on your favorite podcasting platforms or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, if you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review so others can find the podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper. I will talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.